Hello and welcome back to the Untitled Hannah Podcast. This is Adam Copeland, and today I am speaking with our center director at DePaul University, Gretchen Fricks. Gretchen, how are you doing? Hi, Adam. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for joining me today. Can you get us started with uh, an introduction of yourself? Sure. Thanks for asking. My name is Gretchen Fricks. I am the center director here at DePaul University in Chicago, Illinois. And I'm responsible for everything that happens in our Global Gateway program here at DePaul. So I do everything from meeting with students on a biweekly basis to working with faculty and staff to make sure that our students have the resources that they need to scheduling classes with our faculty in both the graduate and undergraduate programs. And then, of course, I work on planning and budgeting in my spare time. <laughs> Yeah, so just a little bit of stuff you've got uh, on your plate, right? Pretty much like everybody else I see. <laughs> so um, how long have you been working uh, at DePaul in this so capacity? I've, well, I've been at DePaul for actually longer than I've been at study group, which is kind of mm -hmm. interesting um, because uh, I was acquired with uh, EC Higher Ed, and so I started working at DePaul in June of last year. And we were EC Higher Ed, and then Study Group acquired EC Higher Ed this past May. And so I've been with Study Group just about six months now, but with DePaul almost a year and a, about a year and a half now. Okay. All right. And were you new to Chicago? No, I've been in Chicago now. Oh, I hate to tell you how many years. You don't have to. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, suffice it to say, it's over two decades. All right. uh, I'm originally from the East Coast, and I moved to Chicago because it was um, I was in Washington, D.C., and I said, well, I need a change of scenery, mm -hmm. and I need a place where there's a lot of opportunity, and voila, here we are, Chicago. <laughs> Good. How did... Um how did you get into or what got you into uh, higher education? Oof. I've also been in higher ed over two decades. And uh, when I first moved to Chicago, I moved into an administrative position in uh, one of the smaller colleges here in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And uh, they went through a huge growth phase. And I was able actually to get a, a huge amount of experience in all kinds of different different departments from admissions to academics to institutional effectiveness and I actually ended up being the campus director after about 20 years so I've been through the gamut and I was a PDSO for about 15 years mm -hmm. so I have a lot of experience with working with international students from that perspective as well and so when this position became available at DePaul and with uh, what was of course then the pathway it seemed like a really good fit. Anything in particular draw you to the to the pathway model? Um, well, certainly from at this point at that point in my career, I was looking for a new challenge, and with <laughs> DePaul being a new center, it was uh, a great opportunity to really you know, exercise all of my operational skills uh, mm -hmm. because you know we got here and there was a pen cup and a computer, so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we built everything from the ground up. Um, but, you know, working with international students is, is really a, a special place to be. 
um, because it's very humbling. I mean, I've been in higher ed for many, many years now, and I'm always learning something new from the students. And no matter how well-versed you think you are in, in the world um, or how much of a global citizen you think you might be, mm -hmm. um, there's always something more to learn and something new to, to see. And, you know, the students have just been wonderful to uh, share their experiences with me. I'm curious about Chicago as a destination, and what we're going to get into talking about DePaul uh, specifically and how DePaul fits in within Chicago. But um, you know, from the get-go, you know, Chicago is probably one of the largest cities we have with a pathway uh, within the study group portfolio. Um, what are what have you gathered um, as far as being an attractive reason that international students would want to study at any institution uh, in Chicago? Well, Chicago is absolutely fantastic. I feel like I'm, I feel like I can't oversell Chicago. <laughs> uh, well, it's seriously, because we're mm -hmm. right in the middle of the country, which means that you get the proximity to New York. You can be on an airplane to New York and be there in two hours, mm -hmm. four hours to LA, but you don't have to live in New York or LA. Chicago is the friendliest city. My students come in, and every time I ask them, what surprised you about Chicago or DePaul, they say, people here are so friendly. And you just don't find that in other parts of the country um, in big cities. And so mm -hmm. I think that is just a great part of, of Chicago. But also, I mean, we're on the water. There's this huge lake. There's a beach. Mm -hmm. We have, you know, river. We have a river, so you can go kayaking. You can go on an architectural boat tour. I mean, that is just the fun part, and that doesn't even get to the economic opportunities, you know, the opportunities to see and work for all kinds of really exciting companies. Um, I think I saw in the paper a couple of weeks ago that we were voted one of the best cities for technology in the U.S. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have Google here. Um, we have all kinds of interesting startups. Um, they've actually funded two incubators for small businesses here in Chicago, which is, I think, really important, not so much for students who, I mean, it's important for students who want to be entrepreneurs, but also because of the community that it creates, right? Whenever you have a place where innovation is happening, where people are excited and doing something new, it creates this atmosphere for, for business, for creativity, and it just makes it an unmatched uh, place to really either work, live, or play. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, uh, not only a lot of things going on, but there's a lot of uh, institutions of higher ed in Chicago. How would you, how would you position DePaul uh, within that landscape? The thing I love about DePaul is that it really is unique. Um, it is a large institution, but it is not a an overwhelming institution. Mm -hmm. and, and I say that very intentionally because most large institutions, you sit down at some point in your undergraduate career with 100 or 200 other undergraduate students in an enormous lecture hall. And there's maybe five or six TAs assigned to the class. And you probably don't even know what your professor looks like unless you sit in one of the first couple of rows. Mm -hmm. And DePaul is nothing like that. DePaul is all about this very small classroom experience. 
So you're sitting in a classroom with 25 or 30 students. And mm -hmm. so the faculty know your name. They know who you are. Now, this sounds sometimes a little intimidating, but mm -hmm. the access that you have to somebody who's doing really cool research or who's writing something or who's heavily involved in their field, that's, that's unmatched to be able to ask them questions. Hey, you know, what's your, what's your job like? What's the field like? I'm thinking about going into this topic. How do I, how do I further that? You don't get that at, at many large institutions. Combine that with the fact that DePaul has, um, we have a Vincentian mission, mission. So, you know, St. Vincent DePaul was, you know, a great person, uh, you know, in the Catholic Church who was uh, very community focused mm -hmm. and talking about giving people opportunities and really considering the whole individual. And that attitude is in mm -hmm. every classroom. You know, we may be a Catholic university, but that doesn't mean that people have to be Catholic or that mm -hmm. they want to, you know, sort of teach everyone about Catholicism. What it means is that everyone is welcome. Mm -hmm. um, that we practice what they call radical hospitality, mm -hmm. right? So that everyone is, is welcome and we are open. And what we're really trying to do is, you know, help everyone to learn and to become a better person and the better person that they want to be. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a, um, a mission focused on inclusivity uh, when uh, a lot of times those labels, whether that's a religious aspect or, or something else, uh, might give somebody pause uh, that you might not be included. No, and that's the thing that, that I have found about found out about DePaul and, and being on campus this long. It is really about inclusivity. It's about making people feel at home. It's about helping them to feel included in the campus community and in campus life. When you talk about uh, DePaul being a large institution, um, what's the enrollment uh, at the undergraduate and graduate levels? Um, it's about 22,000 combined, and we're okay. split across two different campuses. So there's the mm -hmm. Loop campus, which is where um, where the GGP is, and we are really in the heart of Chicago. And this is something else that my students tell me they love all the time because we are right downtown. We're in the middle of everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had we have parades going down the street in front of our in front oh, of our cool. building, right? I mean, we're two blocks away from the lake. Um, whenever they have the you know the big celebrations for the sports teams, I mm -hmm. mean, they're they're just outside our front door, and um, that is a really exciting place for our students to be. There's also the Lincoln Park campus, which is about 20 minutes away on the L train. Mm -hmm. And it is, so it's really quick between the two campuses. And it's a much more sort of traditional undergraduate American campus. I mean, there's okay. a quad and residence halls. It's a residential neighborhood. So there's, you know, little shops and little coffee shops. Um, but it's a totally different feel from the loop. But the cool part about DePaul is that you get this sort of you know downtown vibrancy combined with the uh, residential hominess of Lincoln Park? Mm -hmm. That's quite a combination. No, it's it's a really powerful combination, um, and one that you know our students really seem to enjoy. Mm -hmm. Are those campuses split by programs? Um, yes and no. 
Um, the Loop Campus for sure hosts the College of Business, both the graduate and the undergraduate ones. And um, Computing and Digital Media is also located here on the Loop Campus. But for undergraduate students, uh, many of the classes that they will be taking are located up on Lincoln Park, regardless of the program that they're taking. Oh, okay. So they, undergraduate students, most of the time while they're in the pathway, will be here on the loop, but they could be back and forth between those two campuses fairly regularly. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing that that's a, um, uh, a very specific part of orientation or at least uh, ongoing orientation is uh, there's probably not a traditional 15 minutes between uh, class times uh, based on that uh, train trip from one campus <laughs> to another. <laughs> well, yes and no. Um, well, as I say, while they're in the pathway, the students are pretty much here on the Loop campus, so mm -hmm. there might be 15 minutes between classes. Um, and certainly when you meet with your advisor to register after the pathway, that's definitely something that you need to pay attention to. Um, because, yeah, if you have a class that ends at 1150, you really don't want the next one to start at 12 if you're on a sure. different campus. Yeah. What, um, I'll take a pause here and let uh, the runner go through my neighborhood and my dog to stop barking and make a note to <laughs> delete that. <laughs> Uh, just a few seconds. Um, all right. What programs do you find uh, the students coming there uh, to be most attracted to or um, signing up for? Well, for our graduate students, it's definitely um, it's definitely finance. Um, it mm -hmm. is definitely computer science. Um, we have some other programs in the uh, College of Business, including accounting and hospitality leadership and sustainable management. And we're hoping to add two more uh, coming up in the next few months here. Mm -hmm. um, for our undergraduate students, it is really, really varied. Um, oh, out of cool. Yeah, I, I was a little bit surprised because I thought, oh, they're, all of the students are going to be business administration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're not. Um, <laughs> I, do have, I do have some business administration students, but I also have students in game design. Um, game design and game, programmer, pre oh, cool. game programming are actually really highly rated programs here. And there are some really neat facilities uh, that we have down in the, in the CDM building, um, honestly their homework is playing video games, which, you know, as <laughs> wow. an adult, <laughs> right? As an adult, you sit here thinking, playing video games, how can that be homework? But when you're a game designer, that's research. Yeah. And so, yeah, so we have students in game design, graphic design, um, media and communication, economics, finance, um, marketing, just a whole host of, of undergraduate majors. Uh, and it, I mean, it sort of depends on what students are interested in doing and what they're trying to prepare themselves for. Mm -hmm. I always like to um, to highlight um, the the U.S. higher ed system, particularly for undergraduates, and the flexibility there is um, for students to change their minds. Um, mm -hmm. I'm guessing that that's um, uh, very seamless and, and similar uh, at DePaul, mm -hmm. but I think it's always a especially when we're looking at study group as a global company, that one of the markers of uh, differentiation for the U.S. is that anywhere you go as an undergrad, you know, once for the most part, if you're accepted to the, uh, to the university, you have 
the whole slate of majors that they have at your disposal uh, to study from, whether it's a class or to if you change your mind to go from accounting to game design, you know, if you're willing to to take the classes and, and go through there, even if it takes a little bit longer, um, there's nothing stopping you from doing that. Yeah, no, that's absolutely the case. And uh, what is also sort of shocking to, to students who are not used to the liberal U.S. education system is that not only are you encouraged to try new things, in many cases you're required to try new things. <laughs> I told I told my business students that they would probably be taking an art class in order to fulfill one of their requirements, and one of them, his mouth dropped wide open. I have never <laughs> seen anyone look so shocked. But it's it's really true because we really want people to have that broad-based liberal education so that they can learn about all the different topics, so that they can learn to problem-solve more broadly than just in that narrow little focus of, of your degree program. And, and that's, why you, that's why you come to the U.S. for an education. Mm -hmm. We've talked a lot about uh, Chicago and some of the, you know, the, the surprising friendliness that people find there, um, both in the city and on campus. Uh, what are what are some other unique pieces of the experience um, that students would gain that they might not else uh, might not get somewhere else, either within the U.S. or within study groups other partners? Well, what I am constantly astounded by is the amount and different kinds of activities that the students want to engage in. So for example, um, most all of the, the college students that I know, somebody wants to play basketball. And mm -hmm. you, can play, you can play basketball, but you know what? <laughs> you can play basketball here. You can play basketball in Texas. You can play basketball anywhere. Um, but what you can't do every, everywhere is go and see an NBA basketball game. Mm -hmm. Right, or you can't go and see. I think we have eight or nine professional sports teams yeah. uh, that you can go and get tickets for, and that's a that's a very different experience from sort of a small town. Mm -hmm. uh, but we have a ton of cultural stuff going on. Um, there, our students just went to a uh, very small museum. They have an exhibit with all kinds of different Andy Warhol pieces, oh, wow. and yeah, and that's that was just a hey, what are we doing this weekend? Let's go do that. Um, but also, Chicago has something called Chicago Open House, and they have 350 buildings. They do this every year, mm -hmm. and they uh, open up these private buildings so people can just come in and see. Oh, so. Cool. It's really cool. So, for example, the Board of Trade is um, a huge financial institution, and they used to keep all kinds of stocks and bonds and money and gold and all kinds of stuff in this enormous vault underneath the building. Wow. They don't use it anymore because, you know, digital world is a very <laughs> different place. But they opened it up, and you can go down into the vault, and you can see all these really different-sized compartments. You can see this crazy, huge, heavy door. You can see where they used to have the security guard. And you can go in there and take all kinds of pictures. <laughs> uh, and, and that's one of 350 places. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty exciting thing to be able to do. I mean, I think the last one I went to was a game design company. And they don't design games like computer games. They design mm -hmm. um, toys 
toys and games. Oh, how fun. So they're the ones who design the innards of the toy, and then they sell it to a toy company. And they have just the most amazing workshop. And that's a really unique opportunity to be able to go in and see how people work, to -hmm. understand what their work is and, you know, how they how they go from an idea all the way through to a fully realized product. And that's that's very unique as well. Um, On top of that, Chicago has tons of theater. Um, Mm -hmm. One of my students went to see Hamilton and we were talking. (laughs) I mean, and that's that you don't get to see Hamilton. No, no, you don't. You get to see Hamilton on Broadway and on the touring company. And that's about Mm -hmm. it. Um, but we also have Broadway in Chicago, so they will open shows in Chicago before they go to Broadway. Um, so we we actually will get them before they premiere, which is kind mm-hmm. of fun. Um, but there's also opera. There's concerts. My students were going to, to a bunch of K-pop concerts because they found out <laughs> that, well, tickets here were considerably less expensive. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So there was a whole group. They went to see uh, Blackpink. Um but there's just, I mean, there's a ton of stuff to do from music and culture and art to sports to outdoor recreation. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a really cool place to be. And it, and it sounds pretty seamless that uh, the university uh, itself and the city are, are basically an intertwined campus. Yeah, there's, um, I've been to some places where you, you know, you got to walk like five miles to the this little insular town mm-hmm. and that's not the case I mean Chicago is part of DePaul DePaul is part of Chicago mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so you know you can walk out our front door cross the street and be in the Harold Washington Library which has millions and millions of volumes and all kinds of, of interesting and fun things that our students because they live in Chicago can borrow mm-hmm. so they can go across the street and borrow books and movies and videos and all kinds of stuff um, so, yeah, it is definitely a seamless interaction. And I guess the other question that comes up is, like, I mean, I guess you can also get a degree. It sounds like you can do a whole lot of <laughs> great stuff um, outside of uh, even a really good academic opportunities, right? Oh, yeah. We also have <laughs> classes, and <laughs> students also study. Yeah, no, and that's the that's the really cool thing, um, you know, because – DePaul has such a, such interesting academic programs, and they we are on a quarter system, which mm-hmm. allows students to do things like pick up a minor fairly easily. Mm-hmm. So when you were talking about, you know, hey, maybe you want to explore something else, um, the quarter system makes that very easy. Some students also will do a double major, and yeah, you can get uh, you can get a really good educational experience, and because it is in that small, very personal. Uh, atmosphere, you really get a chance to get to know your faculty, to get to know your classmates, and then also the material so that you can apply that as you move forward in your in your education and your life. Mm-hmm. What's the, um, what would you say is the profile, uh, a generic profile of a graduate student who's going to be successful uh, there? Is that somebody who's got some work experience and is looking to come there, or somebody who's just out of an undergrad program? Um, from your experience, is there is there anything that stands out as um, really good markers? So you just asked me an or question, and my answer to that is going to be yes. 
<laughs> <laughs> because I've seen both. Um, I've seen both profiles be both profiles of, of students, whether they are right out of undergraduate or whether they've got some work experience. Both of them have been successful. Um, what students who what, what students who are successful have in common is that that drive, right? That that interest in learning that drive to, to learn more, to come to class, that curiosity, um, those are the things that help students do well here. Um, you know, students who, you know, just sort of show up and or maybe not, you know, it's really hard to learn things when you don't come to class. <laughs> um, so I, I wouldn't say that there's necessarily a profile in terms of work experience, but certainly students who are, you know, who are committed to their education, students who are curious about life, are going to find that transition much, much easier. Have you, um, at the undergraduate level, has there been have there been any countries uh, that have uh, you got more students from than others, or has it been pretty interspersed? Um, we right now we have a very large contingent of Chinese students uh, mm -hmm. at the undergraduate level, um, but I've had students from all kinds of different countries. So it, it sort of depends on what um, you know what is drawing a student here to the U.S. and to Chicago. <laughs> what what's the um, international composition of DePaul as a whole? Uh, so right now, I want to say we're at about six percent of our students uh, are. Um, international students, um, but DePaul is really committed to internationalizing the campus, and so our intention is to grow that so that about one in ten are international students, and we're doing that um, both from a um, you know a recruiting international students perspective, but also from a we want to send um, our students on study abroad. So we have a really large and active study abroad uh, program, both for U.S. domestic students and also for international students. And the programs can be anywhere from something that's like a short week um, to anything that's longer. So there's a lot of opportunity to learn not just about the U.S., but about other places in the world as well. Anything else that we've not touched on? that? you'd like to throw out there for folks listening um, as far as uh, something that's just, uh, you'd be remiss if you didn't mention this about the opportunities there? Well, I will tell you, Chicago has a reputation about its weather. Oh, this would be good. And my students, uh, my favorite way that my students described Chicago weather was one of them said, the weather in Chicago is complicated. <laughs> now, keep in mind, this student had arrived in January, mm -hmm. uh, and I was asking them in June. Um, and indeed, the weather in Chicago can be complicated. Um, so my students who are, who are from India, they often find it to be very cold here. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, what I have found is that when my students get here, they feel, of, of course, they feel cold because it's, you know, we, we have a wide range of, of um, temperatures. Mm -hmm. But um, they also learn the joy of the winter coat. And <laughs> one of the things that we do in uh, September, October is we have our students, we, we rent a bus and we take our students to the outlet stores 
and we they can shop for all kinds of different coats mm. and hats and gloves and hats and gloves and coats are very important in Chicago <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. we get four seasons and we get all sorts of different kinds of weather so I would I would be remiss if I did not say that the weather in Chicago is as my student says complicated <laughs> I, uh, growing up in Alabama, um, I visited Chicago in May um, several years ago um, and uh, actually met my brother in Iowa. We went to the Field of Dreams and we drove across um, and met, uh, some friends in, uh, in Chicago and I naively expected uh, May in Chicago to be similar to um, the May in the <laughs> southeast that you know uh, that I had grown up with, and um, so I had flip flops on Navy Pier, um, and uh, was um, uh, was very thankful for the jacket I did happen to have in the vehicle that I was driving. Um, it was bright and sunny, uh, but but yeah, that was a uh, that was uh, poor planning on my part. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it does take a little while longer for it to warm up, and then uh, when it starts to get cold, you can uh, expect to see snow for sure by the end of November. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I would also, you know, if, if students are going to stay there, you know, through the summer, uh, for whatever reason, whether they're uh, continuing to study or deciding to, you know, take a break from study and just stay in Chicago and not go back home, um, I, I would think that the uh, you know bearing through the winter uh, and spring that 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 summer experience is pretty much unmatched. Having gone through what you have to to get to that, uh, Chicago summers are quite fabled. Um, uh, no, they are the they are they are pretty great. Um, actually, the same student who told me that the weather was complicated informed me that summers in Chicago are the best. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you definitely get you definitely get a payoff, and you know one of the things uh, we worked on last summer is uh, we had a small class and a small class size, and so what we did for uh, one of our seminars is rather than stick everybody in a classroom once a week, is we went out and did um, some tours of Chicago and met some people, had some speakers, so that we could get out and really enjoy that mm -hmm, summer. Mm -hmm. That's great. I'm not going to say we do that all the time, but <laughs> <laughs> it's out there as an option. So, yeah. uh, so Gretchen, you've been in Chicago for several years. Uh, what are some of your interests uh, outside of work uh, that uh, that you enjoy? Uh, I am an avid reader. Um, I read fiction. I read nonfiction. I know it's. I sound very boring when I say that, but um, I belong to a couple of book clubs. Uh, so that's that's sort of my my main relaxation. Um, I have uh, family here, so we mm -hmm. are big ultimate frisbee players in my house. Mm -hmm. So we watch a lot of frisbee. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I love to I love to get outside because yeah summer tends to be a little short anytime we can get outside or go ice skating or sledding or just get get outside and watch birds and enjoy the weather we're definitely out doing that as well um, going uh, on uh, your interest in reading any um, any recent reads that you would recommend or any uh, any books in general that you would say hey if you haven't if you haven't gotten around to this one, I would definitely uh, put it at the top of your list. 
Well, I my favorite author is Alison Weir, and she writes English history. So this is a real niche thing. Oh, most wow. people yeah. most people will not find this amusing, but <laughs> um, she really focuses on. Um, both the Plantagenets and the Tudors, and it's just fascinating because, um, you know, that there are periods in history where I'm sure it seemed like the world was coming to an end, mm-hmm. and certainly England in the Tudor period, where they were breaking from the Church in Rome, where you know they they had people were still not sure what they believed religiously, where mm-hmm. people were being persecuted, where buildings were being torn down, and the people were being thrown out on the streets, and Everything was changing. I'm sure that people turned around and said, wow, it's like the end of the world. And that was, you know, 500 years ago. And yet here we are still trucking along. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it it serves to remind us that, you know, maybe things are not so bad. Um, But uh, also I just finished a book called The Library Book. And it's a, a nonfiction book about... Uh, the Los Angeles Library Fire of 1986. And it, I, I did not realize that there was a fire that burned for almost eight hours in Los Angeles in 1986 in which they lost half a million books, um, possibly because it happened on the same day as Chernobyl. So, oh, wow. No, I, I, somebody else has mentioned this book to me recently. Um, yeah. And it was fascinating to hear the, the premise, yeah. Yeah, um, but the other thing that it's it's really interesting is it talks about the place of the library in the world today, and not just in the U.S., but around the world. Mm-hmm. And so to talk about the library not just as a place where there are books, um, which there certainly are, but also as a community center, as a place for outreach, as a place for people to meet and to build their own communities. Um, it's, it's, a really, it's a really interesting book and a way to change your thinking about what a library is as opposed to a building with a bunch of books and a lid on top. Yeah, it's one of the last places that I think, I don't know if this came from this book or, or not, but it's one of the last places you can go somewhere and you don't have to pay anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to buy anything to be there. No. No, absolutely. And everyone, it's, it's everyone is welcome. And mm-hmm. again, it's that sort of radical inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Well, that is great, and uh, a great note for us to, to wrap up on, Gretchen. Uh, thanks so much for uh, for chatting today and letting us find out more about the poll. Sure, and thanks so much for inviting me. Have a great day. All right.